There is no doubt that the business sector wields plenty of power. Power that can shape the world and if applied with a conscience, positively impact all spheres of civilization. In Conscious Conversations, I, Carmen Murray, chat with a fascinating array of industry leaders and pioneers to explore how doing business with a greater good in mind can lead to better returns and a better South Africa for all. Join me on my voyage of discovery and together we'll unearth the value, nobility, prosperity and opportunity that is part and parcel of ethical capitalism. Hey, 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 warm welcome to Conscious Conversations. I am super excited. Today we are actually going to tackle a conversation around growth and productivity with AI and, and also understand the trailblazing stories, but also a very interesting insights about how AI is causing a lot of instability in the world and especially with the workforce, but also for entrepreneurs. And we want to tackle this by actually looking at a real research study. Now I've got something to tell you. I studied at Henley Business School and I finished my PG Dip and I have gone through this process and it is in Hence, <laughs> it is really, really serious research to understand your problem statement and to understand what that is all about. And I'm very excited to actually have Yusuf Isak join today. And this whole interview has been put together by him to reveal the insights from their research studies around productivity with and growth with AI. And we are then going to discuss this with our guest and see what their views are based on the insights that are coming through. So I am so excited. Without further ado, I am just going to let the people announce who they are and what they're all about. So the first guest that we have is Kaylee Jorgensen, and she is the founder of Engage Support. Then we have Ephraim Moss, and he is the CEO of Respect Nature. And then we've got Pradeshni Dioki. She is the head of learning and people, which is a very important um, topic also to unleash there. And then we also have Yusuf Isak. So I think, Yusuf, maybe you can open for us and tell us about what this is all about. Why are we all here? Thanks so much, Carmen. Really appreciate it. And you know when you said that word intense about PG Dip, <laughs> I felt it. I felt it. <laughs> it's been really, really crazy. Um, it's been a, a wonderful but, yeah, intense journey uh, regarding the postgraduate diploma. And um, myself and my colleagues joined, you know, created a team called Furnace 5. And um, Furnace 5 was tasked with choosing a topic and we looked at AI and the productivity um, of AI in, in business and, and the growth of uh, business and productivity, etc. And we decided to take that on because we felt that that was something that's happening right now and we wanted to really get to understand that more. And then when we got into this, I mean, one of the first things we kind of got to understand was that instead of AI being where you know, people are looking at this, this takes, taking over the world or taking over the country. We found that there are elements that are beginning to, to, to work towards AI, like the accelerators of AI, for example, big data, internet of things and so on. And then, you know, when we went into further discussion and further uh, research, etc., we got to a point where we needed to interview um, you know, people in reality, you know, people from businesses, people from AI uh, companies or uh, tech specialists, etc. And this is where we got to really found, find some really astounding uh, information. One of them was the fact that almost 60% of people found that the understanding of the of, of AI and in the effectiveness of AI was something that was not actually working. And so basically, you know, those are the kind of things I'm going I'm to share with you as we go along, but I just thought I'd give you a, a, a recap of, of where we're going, we're going to be going to. Thank you so yeah. much, Yusuf. Okay, Kaylee, tell us a little bit about you and what do you do for a living? Yeah, so I am a registered counsellor. I'm registered with the Health Professions Council of South Africa. Um, and I'm also the founder of Engage Support. So Engage Support is a mobile and web app that focuses on mental health, um, awareness, prevention, promotion, and obviously just with the goal of providing mental health services um, and just making resources um, more accessible to just South Africans in general, as well as other individuals across the world. Wow. Ifrahim, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So um, 
Ephraim Moss. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Respect Nature. Uh, my, my background is a, a technologist and serial entrepreneur. So Respect Nature was born out of uh, uh, a project to help do land restoration in the Eastern Cape. And um, through that work, um, we developed a, a platform. And this platform essentially connects consumers to uh, projects on the ground that are doing restoration work. And um, there's, you know, um, tremendous opportunity for us to utilize AI and with the tech background and, and sort of the, the latest kids on the block with language models, etc., um, we've, we really have some exciting times and able to do some, some very interesting things. Um, and happy and hope I can share some of those insights along the way. Excellent. And Deshni, without further ado. Hello, and thank you, Cohen, and thank you, Yusuf, for a very nice introduction. So, my name is Pradeshni Dioki, and I'm quite a multifaceted, uh, not one identity, no limits, no labels kind of person. Uh, my main role at the moment is to head up learning and provide learning opportunities uh, in the world of work. And why this role has become so essential and so critical these days is because we're bridging uh, this gap of unemployment, right? We have um, degreed individuals, and I'm not in including Henley in this equation. We have degreed individuals, qualified individuals who have qualifications based on outdated textbooks, Okay, and we're preparing them for the world of work where reality is at the cold front. Okay, mm -hmm. things have changed. Okay, so as a learning practitioner, I have to find the right information and deliver it in the right way to ensure that employees are equipped to be able to make, firstly, make this transition, right? And secondly, be able to deliver in a new environment that they weren't initially prepared for. So that's, that would be my role in a nutshell. And that's a very valid point. I mean, um, I watched an interview the other day um, at, <laughs> where they were talking about machines are going to be a billion times more smarter than us. And they're learning at such a fast speed that it's actually something that, you know, does make people feel um, insecure, this change and transformation happening. And, you know, there's also all kinds of boundaries that are being overstepped. Um, but we'll get into that. I really want to, to um, delve into the research. So, Yusuf, I think um, as a starting point, what I would really um, like for us to do, you know, you mentioned about 60% um, of your interviewees being um, unsure about the effectiveness of AI, um, which is understandable, and AI can be complex and multifaceted technology, um, leaving some businesses, um, you know, like I'm doing right now, scratching their heads, right? Um, so what I would like to do is maybe if you could um, take us through what methodology did you first of all use for your study? And then um, from this, what was the main concerns or challenges of ineffectiveness of businesses and um, the concerns that's rising from people around AI and productivity? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, the way that we went about this was through a qualitative research methodology, which means that we went out and interviewed people and got a understanding from uh, questions that we had agreed upon via our group. <clears throat> so one of the things that we found um, quite prevalent um, was the aspect of um, data management and data privacy in respect of the fact that that was where um, people or, or businesses were not very um, convinced that uh, well, I'm talking about data privacy now. Um, businesses were not very convinced about them sharing all of their information and data to an AI specialist or an AI company and then have that company be able to have all of this exposure with all of the information. Mm -hmm. And that was quite surprising that we found that, and these were, you know, um, you know, blue chip organizations that were worried about that kind of situation. And then with respect to data management, from an AI perspective or AI specialist or tech specialist perspective, they found that it was a nightmare in respect of the kind of AI or the kind of data that they were, you know, um, being, uh, get, being received by the companies. You know, it was 
chaos. You know, uh, in data integrity was an issue. Um, the kind of, um, you know, uh, there wasn't any type of um, equalness in terms of the data they were receiving, and all of that had to be cleaned up before they could actually look at AI solutions, etc. Mm. So, you know, my thinking around that is, you know, love to the other thoughts around that in respect of, of uh, I see a lot of heads nodding when I'm talking about that, so love to hear about that as well, yeah. So, so it's a very interesting conversation. I think Samsung, um, the other day, there was some coders that um, started putting in content into ChatGPT and um, the whole IP of the organization was exposed, data as such. Um, so data is very important, but also there's also the sense of unbiasedness that's you know, in the machine and how does this actually filter out into, into, for organizations, you know, um, the prompts and where does this information go and who's going to actually gain from it? That's what I'm getting from it. But, um, you know, also, um, I think what's also interesting about, about this data is, um, you know, how are people being included? You know, how are people being included um, as a collaboration in making a difference together using exponential technologies like um, AI? Efraim, over to you. Sure. Um, just in terms of like privacy and big data, um, at more and more companies are using online services and cloud services to store email documents even 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 sort of the most sensitive information like a you know a company's database where they've got customer information and transaction data this has been stored in 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 cloud storage now the the services that actually utilize ai and um the the these machines these gpus the, the graphical processes that, that actually churn the numbers and actually produce the, the insight. These are, are massive machines. And I, I, I'm pretty certain there's no single, uh, company, um, in, in the world besides the, the, the Googles and the Metas, et cetera, that have the capabilities of doing the processing that is required to produce the, the GPT models, et cetera. Now, for, for a, a company, a small company in South Africa, or even a, a large national, to, to be able to do that processing and understand insights from their data, they're going to have to hand over that information mm. into one of these cloud services. Mm. So the only protection that we really have is, is the, the privacy policies that companies have. And, and, you know, we, we have local policies like Poppy, and in in Europe, you've got uh, um, GCPR. Uh, G, uh, G, sorry, I've just GDPR. GDPR. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, getting my acronyms all mixed up. Um, uh, where we can use, we, we can rely on some level of policy that and 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 um, structures to protect that data. But essentially, at some point, we're going to have to hand over that information and assume that the machine is going to be used to produce what we need it to, and then we chuck that data out after after it's been processed. Um, there's not much way around it, and uh, you know, the the it's a whole another discussion around privacy and is is privacy something that we actually is a real thing. To begin with, yeah, I mean it's so true what, what you're saying there. I mean, as you're speaking about this, all that's going through my mind is the serious concerns around cybersecurity, um, and you know, uploading all of your information um, to to these data warehouses. But I mean, at the end of the day, is um, you know, is GDPR and is Poppia enough to protect? I would, I would say no, because everybody's calling for legislation. They wanted to even halt GTP for six months just to get the legislation in place. This technology is moving too fast, um, and legislation is needed. But to your point, privacy is where the lines become blurred. And, and Pradeshni, um, I would like to get your input on this one because 
something as an ethnographer that I'm I'm seeing, um, you know, looking at human behavior, a lot of people are using AI also to solve their HR problems. They are also using it to go and say, I am in a toxic workplace. How do I handle this situation? And they're actually getting the knowledge from the machine on how to deal with, the, with their bosses. And this change is also being inverted to the corporates and also make, waking people up to, to what their rights are. Absolutely, Carmen. I think um, the availability of information is 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 great. Okay, and it's great to be uh, living in a in a time where we have information so readily available. And it's also important uh, to ensure that the mindset uh, reaches a level of maturity that we use this information, this data, this intelligence, you know, to whatever level we want to use it smartly. Right. We can't always guarantee that they are two elements in society, you know, and, and that will always be that way. But in terms of empowering uh, people in corporate, I think I've seen AI um, assist in productivity. Okay, because you can learn, um, you can learn a certain way of doing things. Let's say stress management, you learned at university or at school. But when you get into the workplace, um, you have to be part of, you, you get marinated in that culture. And, and, and things are different and you have to apply that knowledge differently and you don't always know how to do it. Right. So having this availability of information actually helps you and, and there's, also some psychological safety that it creates like you say knowing your rights okay um as a country we are very bad at uh, knowing our you know re- if some people haven't even read the bill of rights yet i hope that's the first thing they're going to type <laughs> in the constitution all the constitution <laughs> right uh, so i hope that's the first thing they're going to put in into this ai right know your rights know know what you're here to do and be productive i think the more we get people to be productive in their jobs in their roles and in society, I think it's going to be a win. Not, not, uh, discounting that there are other elements at play as well, you know, but it's going to take, um, responsible and more mature organizations and like a research topic like this, uh, Yusuf, to, to, to keep this conversation going about, about how we use this data smartly. Right. Uh, how do we use it to turn this information into analytics, into uh, intelligence that's actually going to drive business? Right. And then let's, this is my big hope and it might be a bit idealistic, right? Let's drive productivity. Let's expand the economy so we can create more jobs through this. Right. So, you know, it, only time will tell where this is going to go. Is it going to reduce jobs? Is it going to expand jobs? Mm. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Um, Kaylee, I'm very curious to know, you know, listening to all the conversations um, around the table, um, you know, what is, what is your view around um, data, um, privacy, retention of people, and how this information is being deployed and the decision-making process around it? Yeah, absolutely. So look, I do believe that a lot of people think AI is a threat. Um, But at the end of the day, it can also be a very powerful ally. I mean, we've seen schools, we've seen companies, you know, obviously now listening, you know, from a perspective of AI, it's really important that we know that, you know, with regards to mental health, it's not a substitute. But I really do believe just with data privacy, data management, you know, transparency in AI systems is vital, especially mm. for engaged support where, you know, we're focusing on mental health and assisting individuals within a corporate and a school space. So, you know, because AI systems are directly impacting um, our content, our resources, and we're using it to obviously help build and provide individuals with the support that they need, We it's obviously directly impacting data management, privacy, and that's where for, for us, especially transparency needs to, needs to come in. Um, you know, transparency 
could lead to uncertainties about data security and algorithm biases and um, mm. being kind of put down so by having transparency we obviously prioritizing privacy guidelines policies but i think the most important thing is ethical ai development user education um and obviously data anonymization because without that you know how do people know that they um their information their everything is trusted is private is safe so we've got to build trust there's got to be trust in ai systems because like we've seen with chat gpt you know it has i feel taken the world to the next level um and it's not replacing anything it's just like um predationia said you know we want to use it for productivity we want to use it to help the world and i think it really really does but in order to do that we have to protect user privacy and obviously ensure um responsible ai usage whether it's on an app or in a corporate space or just on you know other ai systems that people are using in the world very interesting um you know I'm very curious, and I just want to quickly pose this question to you, but how do you see this whole digital detox that's also this undercurrent that's happening in terms of mental health? Um, You know, productivity, yes, wonderful. But now there's also this undercurrent of digital detox, which is impacting the whole productive um, supply chain. So can you just give me a little bit of of insight on that? And then Yusuf, maybe you can lead us in with some data into, into that. Yeah, absolutely. So just with regards to obviously the digital detox and from a mental health perspective, you know, I think everybody is on their devices and that's where, I mean, I believe knowledge is power. If we've got knowledge, we can make a change, but anything in life is going to impact our mental health, whether it's um, substances, you know, studying stress, work stress, there's so many different things that are obviously going to impact our mental health. And, you know, I do a lot of talks in schools and companies talking about understanding the online space and how to use it effectively, but we have to just understand that there's got to be a balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I will never go into a school or company and say, you know, throw the devices away. Don't go on your devices because they are unhealthy, they are bad everything in life has a negatives. I mean, I often think of donuts, for example. I love donuts. But if I have too many donuts, I'm going to feel sick. So we've got to be able to have a balance and that balance with AI systems, that balance with the online space in order to rather build our mental health app um, and take power or take control of that then allow it to bring us down because the online space does have negatives and dangers and we have to be aware of that. But it's that balance. Knowledge is power. Wow, that's amazing. That's that's, that's great. And I'm getting such amazing stuff, you know. Um, and I, I, traditionally, I'm never going to forget this, this, this phrase that you said, people marinate in culture. It's such an amazing thing. And, and you know, uh, Kelly, talking about digital detox and um, common... One of the things that I realized was that, yes, on one side is this, this, this idea of, of, you know, digital detox being really amazing. But on the other side, we have companies where, um, AI is creeping in more and more as we're going along. And that's allowing for people to start becoming, uh, feeling threatened around their jobs and where they are currently. And that's something that we found was almost a hundred percent in our findings. Um, in respect of the interviews that we had, where people were feeling that, um, that, that, um, you know, there is this risk of, of job retention and a lot of discussion about how to manage that. Uh, you know, one of the, uh, organizations, one of the multi, you know, uh, multinational kind of a brand in, in healthcare, uh, the gentleman that I was speaking to there was talking about the fact that they had implemented AI, which kind of took away uh, about 40% of work from about um, 100 um, um, units, business units in, 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 South, in South Africa. However, those people that were doing that work, uh, what happens to them? And so they, ESCO decided that they would only approve this if those people were found other areas to be able to work within the organization. You know, um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in, in Pradesh telling us a little bit about, you know, being in that space of, of uh, um, learning and et cetera. You know, what's, what's the impact there? Yeah. I love that question. Thank you, Yusuf. I'll dive right into it. Okay. And th- there's a lot to be said about this topic, right? I'll just give you my high-level view for now, right? Let's look at the nature of work, all right? Work started during the industrial age, okay? And not much has changed since then, right? Um, uh, just another thing to add to my CV, um, common, I'm also a sociologist, so <laughs> oh! <laughs> you're getting that perspective <laughs> as well, <laughs> right? So, but let's, let's look at the nature of work, right? We have work at different levels, Okay, you have work at a strategic level, work at a management level, and work at an operational level. Let's make it simpler than that. You have level level one roles, okay, where you are highly reliant on information, on data, on process, okay, and routine, where you need to be efficient in doing a daily routine, okay? Um, there... Uh, and you do a lot of admin and filing. Okay. That's, that's the level one role. It's, it's kind of known as a touch and feel type role. So you're reliant on a lot of data. On the one hand, AI can improve these roles, make it more efficient. Therefore, you'll require less manpower or woman power or people power. Right. Uh, so, so in that regard, yes, it can impact on the number of roles you need in your organization to keep that layer productive and efficient. Okay. But here's the opportunity. We have these level two roles, which is more a service orientated role where you have information, you use information and turn it into a usable product. That's hence the word service. You use it to serve. That will now drive more sales. Sales, as we know, is the service oriented role. Okay. Sales, you need data, right? You need customer information. You need customer behavior information. Now, if we can elevate these roles, keep the level one roles, productive and efficient using AI, using digital tools, using technology, right? The opportunity here is for employees and people to, to improve their skill set, to move from more routine type roles to more service type roles. Okay. And this is actually where the meaning in the jobs come from, right? We are all meaning making machines and we want, we, we, everybody, I've research I've read, everybody wants meaning in their jobs. Okay. Mm. You have this opportunity now. Turn this, turn your skill set into more meaningful, uh, meaning creation for the customer, for the organization. We know whether it's corporate, whether it's entrepreneurs or small businesses. Um, I'm not sure what your cohort included, uh, Yusuf, but no business is a business without a customer. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So let's get back to the prospects of business and do business the way business is supposed to be done. Serving the customer, using the data analytics, using the information to serve the customer. Okay. So I see that as a positive way to use AI. Now, we do also have to be cognizant of the fact that there is competition in the markets right? We'll reach a certain level of saturation where every, where most businesses and organizations will know the same thing about the customer base, all right? And then this is where it gives the human their unique talent. They can bring in now this unique talent to get this competitive advantage, okay? Where you bring the human back into business, all right? Mm. And I, I live and I pray for those days. Okay. So, so I'm seeing it from a more positive point of view. Um, and also think about it this way. Uh, one of the biggest, uh, expenditures besides salaries in organizations is marketing. Okay. Um, if, if, a, um, a business has access to your information, they can use that information to get to you to, to sell you a service that you need. Right. So when it, uh, like Kelly was talking about uh, data privacy and and respecting that, they there is this level of well, what what are we what are we protecting ourselves from? Uh, 
all our information like Ephraim said, is available in the cloud anyway. If you've posted anything on any of the social media platforms, they have your information. They know who you are. They know your behavior, right? Uh, I read uh, something very interesting a while ago. One of our very big uh, social media platforms actually consulted with a uh, astrologer. An astrologer, mm-hmm. yeah, an astrologer. <laughs> now you're talking my language. <laughs> right? So how is, this, how is this for smart analytics, Carmen? They, they have your birth date. They know your astrology profile. They know how to push content to you. What's going to get you going? What's going to get you to click the clickbaits? Okay. I, I'm not 100% sure that's the most ethical use of it, right? But, it, but it's a marketing strategy. Right. So, and it drives business. It drives sales. Okay. So, you know, we always have to balance this. What are we compromising to drive business, to drive sales, to give people more jobs? You know, we, we always going to be in this puzzle. Yeah. I think. Sorry about that. My apologies. I thought you'd done. Sorry. You can go ahead. Go Ephraim. No, it's fine. Uh, I'm so sorry. Um, just before, um, Ephraim, I just wanted to, to add to your point. I totally agree with you. Um, using, so I'm a, I'm actually writing my exam tomorrow and I will be a qualified numerologist. I oh, use numerology yay. and astrology, um, um, as a way to understand the human design and to understand how people operate to help me to help the customers, um, because I am the voice of the customer and I believe that through that I can help businesses to become more healthier. So there's a lot of um, validity and I think it's not using it as a trend or to exploit people, but using it to actually be better mm-hmm. and do better. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm, I just wanted to to add um, to your, to, you know, to, to your points earlier on, you know, also about the whole privacy issue, but also what, what's been said around the table is we're now looking around and we say, okay, right, human beings are actually working like machines. They're not happy. It's a reality. And now the machines are there to come and say, okay, we are going to allow you to become more creative. We are going to allow you to become more system, systems orientated and critical think, thinkers because we have a lot of problems we have to solve. But it's also the creativity element that needs to come back because I feel like there's cognitive dissonance because this is a life of language. It's not a life of creativity and we need to bring that back. So um, I would love to hear your points as to how you see productivity being re- shaped but not in this negative light that it, it, it might be seen so if i can i mean that, that's essentially the point i would was was wanting to to make in terms of language and creativity so just to to take a, a step back um you know in terms of ai which is this catch-all uh you know term and which sort of comes in there's things like machine learning, etc. So, just in, in broad strokes, there's there's um, regression and classification type of machine learning, which is um, regression is the idea of um, being able to rate or gauge a sentiment for argument's sake, or uh, how close something is to a particular target. And classification would be to say something either is or isn't in a particular group, right? So machine learning is great to be able to do that and to talk to, to Yusuf's point earlier about um, data and data integrity, um, never mind the privacy side of it, uh, there you, you need to have a certain level of structured data to, to be able to, to do that sort of work. What's really exciting and what's why OpenAI and, and ChatGPT sort of has sort of taken the world by storm is, is this large language model that they have put out into the world, which talks to this, this bridge between information, language, and creativity that we've got the space of, of generative uh, AI that we can actually tell this machine to create something for us. So, well, what's what's quite amazing? I mean, this so many little. I'd, I'd like to like sort of bring a couple of examples of practical examples of how uh, 
ChatGPT has been, you know, how I've personally used it in my organization and it's, you know, sort of products that I'm hoping to see very soon out in the world, um, which are around really simple things. So for argument's sake, um, I have a knowledge base in my organization of various marketing material and research papers and white papers that, that, that we've written and research of, of, you know, sort of in the public domain that talks to the work that we're doing. And in order to, to formulate new ideas, the amount of time required to actually read everything and to bring people up to speed in terms of what information we have available, we can use a large language model in a perfectly private way and, and create and, and use tools that are relatively simple to use to actually create a generative model on our knowledge base. So I can then plug all this information into a chatbot, let's call it, and say, produce me a two-page document for a retailer that to t- sell my product to a retailer or we're dealing with farmers at the moment. So um, I need a, a document that will describe our product in line with what a farmer needs. So we've got this ability to, to, to take a knowledge base and have the AI generate something and synthesize an existing body of knowledge into a pertinent, specific, short piece that, that will talk to the exact thing I need. Mm. Um, so, so that, that's been quite a, quite an astounding little, little piece. And in terms of copywriters and, and, uh, marketers out there, this is a tool. You know, this isn't, this isn't something that's going to take their job away. This is something that just gives, you know, allows me to be that much more productive. And in fact, you know, like writer's block, you know, uh, for argument, uh, 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 I do a little bit of creative writing and sometimes I, I sit and I'm trying to think of an idea and I'm, I'm just stuck. I just can't think of anything. So my latest trick, I go to ChatGPT and I say, some, I'm like, I want to write something around this. And then, and then you could see like, all the nods. You know, <laughs> <laughs> again? Yeah. I said, I said, so, I wish the audience could see all the nods. <laughs> uh, we just, you know, brainstorm ideas. It's the most amazing little tool to have. Now, some of the other other aspects around brainstorming and, and getting new ideas is um, is actually getting Chat GPT to have an argument with itself. I don't know if, <laughs> if, <laughs> no, I, this is something to try. Now, imagine you you. You have a, a, a difficult client or a prospect that you're trying to sell something. Sell, you're trying to sell your product to a particular uh, a person. And there's some block that they have that they just, you're not able to, or at least there's some block in the communication in trying to convince them of, of how to approach it. So what you can do is within ChatGPT, you create a prompt saying, I'm, presenting this side of an argument and these are this is this is where i stand and the other person is is in in uh, in that corner and this is their stance imagine they are having a conversation and and (laughs) what would what would the conversation look like and allow chat gpc (laughs) to play it out and then you read the response, and then based Mature. on the response, invariably, <laughs> some novel new idea is going to come out in the response, and then run it again, adding a new piece, or, or when it sort of blocks, or um, invariably, it seems to always go to a point of, uh, of, consoli- uh, of, of some sort of um, uh, cooperation. And sometimes you don't necessarily want the argument to get to that point too quickly. So stick a spanner in the works and see 
how far it goes. Being a being a pot stirrer, you know, it's as as I'm, I'm often known for being. It's it's easy to do. Um, so so that that idea of being able to to allow the AI to synthesize new ideas by having an argument with itself is is has been quite a useful tool that I've 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 tried. Um, there, there are many other examples, but I think that's a good one for now. Love. Kaylee, add on to that. Oh, I would love to, because, you know, in the mental health field, especially this topic is, it sparks huge discussions. Um, <laughs> and, you know, when it comes to AI, especially, I think so many psychologists, therapists, counselors in general, People are so scared of AI taking away. I mean, if you go to ChatGPT now and you say, I'm feeling really sad, what can I do? I mean, ChatGPT is going to respond to you in the language that you need. It's going to give you coping techniques. It's going to help you. So I think first and foremost, I firmly believe that AI should be seen as an enabler. Um, and, you know, just adding on to what Ephraim and Pradeshni have said that AI is not replacing anything. It's like with the mental health field, you know, there's simply no substitute for that human touch um, and just that emotional understanding that us as therapists do bring to the job <laughs> or bring to the table. But AI can, it can obviously never replace that genuine connection, but it can play such a valuable role. I mean, just with regards to um, the space with my app, you know, personalized customer experience, efficient operations, um, it enhances marketing. Um, it's taking time that we would have spent just from an innovation and product development. There's so many different things you can use, but I think it's really, really important and if not essential that obviously AI needs to be used responsibly and ethically, but it can revolutionize the way that we approach mental health and support, making it more accessible, making it more effective for everyone. Um, and obviously we don't want AI to take away jobs, but I think if we look at it rather as an enabler um, and a valuable tool than a threat, the role is collaborative. We are first and foremost trying to help people in general. Um, and whether that's through sales or helping us come up with a test for teachers, you know, putting into ChatGPT, um, come up with a test for grade nine science, it can do that quick. So it's all about using that for benefits, to be quite honest, and just having a balanced perspective. Traditionally. Okay, I'd love to dive in after you said we don't want AI to take away jobs. But just to add another point to that or another perspective to that, maybe it should take away some of the jobs, okay? If we look at our country, there's been a handbrake on in terms of job creation, okay? And, and maybe it's because of the way corporates are organized, all right, we need to relook at that model because it's 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 stagnating more than expanding. All right, but but this is this is the beautiful part for me in terms of AI. We have while we mourn the loss of corporate jobs, okay, let's use it to stimulate this entrepreneurship which we so so need. Okay, let's uh, because. In a corporate job, you have a job profile, you have a job description, you have limited tasks that you need to perform, and you know you that that's all you get measured on, and that's all you'll do. When you, and like Ephraim was talking about his experience as an entrepreneur, okay, when you become entrepreneur, you are CEO, you are marketer, you are researcher, you are the tea lady, okay, you are the gardener, you are everything, all right? And this is where I found AI to be very useful, uh, ChatGPT in particular. I was like, can you please help me with a marketing plan? This is the organization that I'm targeting. This is the customer profile. And it, and it does a marketing plan for you, right? If you need to do posts on social media, can you please help me with the blog on this and this? You know, because you need to have that presence out there. So, yes, let's mourn the loss of these corporate jobs because maybe they weren't meaningful to start off with, right? Let's, ex let's open up the organization of the way corporate is structured, okay? Because it hasn't created jobs in the last few years, uh, in the last 20 years from, in my opinion, 
unresearched, please bear just putting that caveat <laughs> in. Just my voyeurism <laughs> coming into into play there. But on the entrepreneur side, where we do where we're trying not be trying, sorry, corporate has a mandate to um to bring these knowledge and skills to communities that don't usually get it, you know, and talking in terms of the learnerships, the internships, which we've been doing a lot of lately. Um we need to make that more meaningful. We, we're throwing skills at people that are not ready to receive those skills. And then when they are ready to receive those skills, they don't have an opportunity to, to make use of the skills, right? I think we need to focus more on using AI and ChatGPT to empower people to start businesses, to become entrepreneurs. And as an entrepreneur, I think it'll be a wonderful tool. Yeah, so, you know, um, I think just to round up, because I know we are a bit way of time as well, uh, but one of the questions that, but before I go there, I have, I have to ask this here, or this comment, I have to share something with you. I was just thinking about this podcast and putting it to ChatGPT that Carmen Ray is a, you know, a podcast, uh, you know, specialist, and this is where she is. We have Pradeshni, who's, in, you know, head of um, people learning and so on. We have Ephraim, that's AI. Create a podcast. <laughs> 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 giving the different inputs and you know there it will be you know so that's there as well just thought I'd share that so look before moving on um, well we've spoken about data management we've spoken about um, data privacy we've spoken about effectiveness of AI um, and you know and people's understanding of that and what this led us to when we got to understand all of these areas uh, in our research was the fact that there was this unfamiliarity that was occurring with business owners um, and, and AI specialists also in terms of them getting to understand how to work with business owners in terms of data management, etc. And and this there is this um, and this is where we actually want to be able to leave this in our research and, and be able to show that we would need to make people aware of this or get people to become or detach them from unfamiliarness. Um, and, you know, I'd like to get your inputs, you know, around how could that occur, you know, what would be some ideas or how could we move forward on that? Yeah. So, Come so yeah. I just want to, to also just say, um, I think what would be better is let's go around the room and let's actually get a thought or an idea of how we can, we can have this continuous learning around the machine. Um, because we have to tango with it. We have to waltz with it. Um, rather than raging against the machine, how can we dance with it? So maybe, um, um, Ephraim, I see you've got your hand up. Maybe you can, you can go ahead and, and maybe just give a closing thought as to how you see that, um, happening in pro productivity and growth. Sure. So, um, as, as a, as a, a techie, um, my, my speciality is, is, is actually integration. And, and that in integration is not just technical integration and having systems talk to each other, but integration in terms of how we get people and machine systems to communicate with each other. So, um, as a, as, as a little bit of a plug, uh, if, you know, this is something that I, I do a little bit of consulting around where I can actually help companies find those ways and the tools and processes and methods that would help integrate these machine human interfaces as a glorified sort of prompt engineer type of person. You know, I'm ha happy to help to get uh, a business in into, into using AI. There's, uh, you know, tools that allow us to take documents and PDFs and that sort of thing and use it to extend the knowledge base to reduce the training time that's required in an organization. There's really simple ways of doing that that can be very helpful and done in, in, in a safe way where we're not sharing data around in sort of out in the cloud. Katie? Yeah, just from obviously my side, the technology that I've currently put in to companies and schools, we are using a very holistic um, approach. People are scared of speaking up. People are not comfortable speaking up. So we've incorporated an anonymous reporting system. You've got mental health resources. We're making that more accessible. But 
while we're currently using very limited um, AI tools in our app, we are super, super excited for the updates that are going to fully utilize AI's potential because while we understand building trust and familiarity with our users, it's really important that we do implement these changes and we take AI in our strides because although where people are currently, and yes, people might be unfamiliar with AI, by gradually introducing AI updates, we specifically believe that we're going to empower our users to embrace the new features that you know our app is offering at their own pace. And obviously through these efforts, we are super excited to see how mental health is going to support the experience of schools and companies worldwide, but also driving business growth and productivity focusing on mental health because we've all got mental health I've got mental health you guys have mental health and it's all about how do we support ourselves and using AI to do that in is such a dynamic space and I think it just offers so much growth and I'm just so excited for where the future is going because just in the last year AI has offered so much potential so much change so much growth and if we can use that to empower individuals within themselves their families and their personal relationships we can just see that productivity grow um, astronomically love Pradeshni over okay. to you as a final parting thought oh thank you um, my final parting thought okay here goes my light <clears throat> give me one second we've known this for a long time knowledge is power information is power we have the information we have the knowledge now let's not abdicate the thinking the learning the creativity <laughs> and and let's not abdicate the human connection while we can have integration if I, while we can use it to bring to help people with with human solutions okay let's step into this potential of growth let's grow the human community let's grow productivity within the business environment okay so final thought we have the information let's not abdicate the thinking and the learning absolutely Love it. You guys have all been so extraordinary and it was such a productive conversation. What I love about it is that we did it unicorn style because we brought in the data and then we brought in our humanity and a little bit of science and we collaborated to to bring our ideas together in, in this conversation and not to fear the evolving AI conundrum and not look at it as dystopian or as utopian, but always look at it from a protopian point of view is what if it could change our lives for the good? Maybe it's going to be a difficult transition, but at the end of the day, as we, we familiarize ourselves um, and maybe productivity is going to shape and morph just like our mobile phones into a different way of productivity and productivity might be sitting under a tree and drawing pictures to create the new thing that's going to be a counter AI that's going to help solve some of the problems that AI is going to create. So from my, from my side, um, I just want to say thank you to all the guests and hope to see you soon and arrivederci. <laughs> bye bye now. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.